think what most surprised me about the book, um, actually there's a couple of things, is how much I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I kind of felt that it might be a lot of work to read it before I started, but starting it I found myself whizzing through it super fast because it's really engaging and written in a way where it's quite fast-paced. You're listening to The Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. Welcome listeners to Mother of All Solutions, um, a special podcast episode for you today. And we're going to be talking about Pregnant Then Screwed, the truth about the motherhood penalty and how to fix it. For those of you who don't know, this is the book by Jolie Brealy, the founder of the charity Pregnant Then Screwed, obviously referenced in the book title. And it came out in March, we're now in May, so it's been out for a couple of months now. And I was desperate to get my hands on it, pre-ordered it. I know lots of people also were like that who follow Pregnant Then Screwed's work on Twitter and Instagram, just really keen to, to see how Jolie was um, explaining this in a kind of book format rather than the snippets of information in press releases and campaigning work that we see online. So I was really excited to read it. So for the episode today, I've brought on board some of my book club friends and we're going to be focusing the conversation around us as a book group. There's going to be um, audio notes from three members and a conversation with my friend Kate from book group to talk about the book. We've all read it and share some of our experiences and thoughts on what Ju- Jolie was saying through through this fantastic book. So I am going to welcome my uh, guest, my co-host, I don't know quite what we're going to call you, but Kate. Um, Kate Burt is um, my friend from Book Club and she's going to be talking to me about the book today. So hi, Kate. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> no, nice it, to be here. <laughs> I know it's great. On a rainy Saturday, it's nice to do something a bit different than run around the soggy park with the kids, isn't it? So. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> And Kate, tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how we've come to have this connection for you being involved in the podcast. Um, well, uh, I live with my husband and our almost three-year-old daughter and the fact that we have children about the same age and yeah. live locally is how we are in the book club together, yeah. which has been also a lifesaver. Um, and we have another baby on the way. Congratulations. And thank you. Um and in terms of work, I um, I'm a writer for a tech company, and it was a full time position. But after returning from maternity leave, I went down to three days a week, and okay. I'm about to go on maternity leave again. So I was really really interested to read this book. Yeah, yeah, and you'd already been following Pregnant Then Screwed, hadn't you? You it was a kind of organisation and charities whose work you were familiar with. Is that right? It was. I... It was mm. no. I was I was absolutely aware of of their helpline and um and the instagram presence particularly so yeah yeah, she's very good at updating you on news and and things that affect parents and families so yeah Yeah. no i think it's um become a bit of a a go-to hub for um mums to be and then mums of all shapes and sizes across the country and yeah it's it's a great resource to have so the book obviously we're in book group together it wasn't our chosen official book of the month but obviously a few of us wanted to read it and we came together to read it for the podcast Um, so just to give the listeners a bit of an overview about the way the book's structured I'm sure some people will have already read it as I said it's been out since March early March and um, but for those who haven't um Jolie starts um with a kind of 
personal story really i mean that's what she tells us she tells us a bit about how she came to set up the charity and what it means to her and, and what happened and um, some people will probably know bits of that as i said from the online presence other bits of it um if you didn't know the work as much you kind of get to know her better which is really nice he sort of feels very personal then there's a chapter how did we get here which is you know positioning where we're at now in terms of the kind of dates and the historical reference point and then the rest of the book goes through lots of topics like guilt which comes up a lot around working parents the motherhood penalty and defining that obviously that's in the title the truth about the motherhood penalty um and i'll just quickly give the definition she gives of that and um, so for those of you listening to this who are maybe querying well, what does that even mean as a, a title um, Joel Lee describes it as the disadvantages that women encounter in terms of earnings and career progression once they have kids that's it in a nutshell so that's like the kind of the crux of the book really so she goes through to define that and then she looks at maternity discrimination and the sort of legal situations around that with examples covering topics then of childcare, domestic load, dads, flexible working, self-employment, international perspectives. So yeah, it, there's a lot of content in this book. There's a lot of meaty chapters. Um, and at the end, she talks about the sort of will, what's the, what next really. And she also populates the book with tips and solutions as again in the title the how to fix it but it's important to her um, and I thought it was quite interesting for me just to set the scene for you as listeners to this podcast at the end she talks about it being a call to arms and she sort of finishes on that note because she wants people to go away with something from it um, and she doesn't set that directly at the beginning you know it's the personal narrative at the beginning and the scene of her and her life and her family and her work so I thought that was really interesting so I hope that gives you a bit of a kind of sense of the structure of the book and um, in order to talk about the book in terms of us as mums in the book club together we've got various sections um, that have kind of resonated with us individually and we've got some audio um, recordings from three other women in the group from Jane and from Bethan and from Lily and Kate and I are going to respond to some of those audio recordings. We can't obviously all meet physically in person as a book group at the minute, so we've kind of missed out on those group chats. So this is the best way we can do it for the podcast. And we hope you really enjoy it, and we hope it either sparks interest to read the book or go onto their website if you don't know their work. So yeah, so I think that's really what I wanted to say about it. I mean, Kate, do you think that's a kind of a fair summary of the book or was there anything you think as a kind of way into the book that you would like to add no I think it's I think that is a fair summary and um it's interesting what you said about the way that it starts off in a very personal way she does talk about mm. the experiences that led her to write the book which were not that positive and you know how she set up the whole charity um and I think it's really good that because the whole book does raise awareness. And I think mm. what's really um, good is that it does end in that way. It gives you loads of, like you said, it gives you loads of practical tools for people who need it. Um, yeah. But it is basically about saying, hey, this is happening. People yeah. aren't aware. You need to be aware. And 
I mean, the one thing you absolutely are in no doubt about when you finish the book, you're sort of bombarded by statistics yeah. and case yeah. studies. And it's very clear that it's very real, sheer, isn't it? It mm. is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So the call to arms is, yeah, good. Yeah. And something we talked about last week where we were sort of planning for for this recording is we talked about how she's also very honest that pre her starting a family and her career before then she wasn't aware of a lot of these issues and establishment situations and policies around it you know it was only as she had to live it and the lived experience came through for her she realized the sort of level of discrimination that can exist in workplaces and in other aspects of of women's lives once they become mothers and families in general and how partners are involved in that um yeah so it's quite a, it's quite an honest account really isn't it yeah she, mm. some of the things she said I thought were very brave given what what her charity does yeah she, you know she she was she was honest about how she had been imperfect before she had children in the way she she viewed other pe- mothers in the workplace yeah. and um and I think you know that that's why it's a really it's an important book not not just for mothers or pregnant Mm. women to read but for basically anyone who has a job no that's so true that's so true and obviously Kate you're expecting your second child so you're about to go through second maternity leave but I, I wonder those as you say it doesn't have to just be people who are already parents or about to become parents but if you were if you were say as you are seven months pregnant, but it was your first child you're expecting rather than your second. I wonder what it would feel like reading it now. I think it would have been so useful, but a bit daunting. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I think, um, yeah, I think, I think to be honest, I probably wouldn't have believed it. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, once you've read the book, you can't not believe it, but I think, you know, if in passing I'd heard bits and pieces, and obviously you do, you hear from your friends, you hear from, you know, people you've known for years who have gone through bad experiences, but they seem like, God, that's really bad luck. And and I think, yeah, I probably would have been daunted to read it because there's there's so many grey areas and there's, um, I guess one thing that really comes through is that, the law is there to protect you but actually the law is pretty useless in protecting you and that's something I think you're just not aware of you think oh well such and such is illegal and then it's like it's not that simple yeah or it's just so amazingly complicated like how do you even access it at a time when you're vulnerable and emotional and hormonal and you know might not necessarily even be in good health through a pregnancy or you know you're in a very yeah it's yeah, there's a lot there, isn't it? I mean, something I thought is, so Rowan, my eldest, is now seven and a half. So when I was like pregnant with her, I was age 32. I didn't know anything about social media. I still don't know much about social media, but at least, you know, now I do follow a lot more. I think my understanding was very basic around maternal issues of like health, pregnancy, motherhood work beyond that whereas I suppose women now you know who are starting out having their families I imagine they're much more clued up in general than we are and I suppose it's more you know seven and a half years on eight years on from when I was first found out I was pregnant you know thinking about what is out there about this it's not necessarily got better and lots of the things that Jolie is pointing out makes it sound like it's getting worse 
but you know the awareness is higher I suppose so I was kind of thinking about that as I was reading it I was thinking back to what would I have been like anyhow it's yeah it's, it's really fascinating it, and some of this the content in it I knew from research to do with the podcast but some of it was fresh and new for me and really kind of exciting to kind of hear more on so what we might do is we might play Jane's clip to start us off and listeners will have heard Jane speaking at the very intro of this episode so a little teaser you got into to Jane's perspective so we'll play Jane's clip now and then you'll hear from Kate and I afterwards hello I'm Jane I have two children, Holly and Lucas, who are seven and three. I live in Brixton and my, I'm on my second career. I work in finance at the moment. I think what most surprised me about the book, um, actually there's a couple of things, is how much I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I kind of felt that it might be a lot of work to read it before I started, but starting it, I found myself whizzing through it super fast because it's really engaging and written in a way where it's quite fast paced and there's a lot of information where, which is backed up with facts and stats and surveys which I didn't even know existed. I think secondly is how much latent awareness I actually had and how much had happened to me as well without having really realised it. On both occasions on returning from maternity leave, uh, there were incidents which looking back on it now fall in line with some of the things that are discussed in the book. So the first time I came back, I, it's not that I was actively demoted, but the role I was offered, although it had the same job title, was vastly more junior. And there'd been a total like loss of understanding of what my job had been previously. And actually the role they offered me when I was coming back reported into my old job. And everyone had sort of forgotten what my job had been. And I found that really disconcerting. And where they did go to amend it, I never really got back on that footing I'd been on before. On the second uh, return from maternity, I didn't actually make it back. I was made redundant. And I sort of, at the time, I felt like it made sense. It, it sort of didn't, it didn't. It made sense because um, I'd moved into to another department, which had was a bit of a poison chalice. The business wasn't really investing in it. Um, I felt like it was a good challenge for me and I learned a lot doing it. But by the time I was coming back from maternity leave, it had sort of died a death. And um, the business made me redundant. And I fought back a little bit because actually they'd made me an overhead to the business rather than assigned to an account, which in agency world sort of protects you. Um, but then I, it sort of became really clear they kind of just wanted to kill off that part of the business and thereby my job had gone. And I, I accepted it. I got a good payout. Um, and actually, they offered me an alternative role in a totally different area of the business not long after I'd received my payout. So I felt actually quite lucky. But having read this book, I realized that actually them making me redundant kind of um, w wasn't really appropriate. And they had sort of, again redefine what my job had been while I'd been on maternity leave and that felt now looking back on it they did that both times and it, it feels like it was probably quite inappropriate. So that's Jane um, speaking there about her take on the book. Um, Kate let's have a chat about Jane and, and her reaction to it. Um, 
what what Jane said kind of well it didn't surprise did it surprise me yeah I suppose it did surprise me a bit because she's again Jane's very honest about opening up that this book opened up feelings and understandings from her situation that she hadn't necessarily taken stock of or reflected on that's how I kind of came away feeling from Jane what did you what was your feeling from Jane's take on the book yeah I was surprised as well um because it from what she said it was basically in reading the information she discovered that she had experienced maternity um and pregnancy discrimination and Mm. I think she said um what was it something like um it felt inappropriate looking back that Mm. um you know that my job had kind of been changed while I wasn't there Mm. and I just think wow it, it just it just highlights how insidious this kind of discrimination is it's it's Mm. really not obvious you know Jane is very intelligent and very you know career focused and you know if she didn't realize what was happening until Mm. she sort of read about other people going through the same thing you know yeah it it puts it all into perspective doesn't it it's it's sort of not easy to put your finger on yeah that's like it's not always easy I mean obviously some of the cases that Jolie highlights are very obvious forms of discrimination and she goes through examples of when people have you know sought justice whether they've got it or not but when they because it's obviously very hard to go through um but it's not always that obvious is it that's sort of the levels of discrimination it's a big spectrum isn't it it's quite um you know it's not it's not like one thing like you have this amazing situation amazing family life amazing employer and everything just goes really smoothly or the other side where everything crashes and burns there's a lot in the middle isn't it and Jane sort of reflecting an experience her experiences through the book and I thought it was really powerful like how she came away feeling differently having read the book yeah yeah yeah, I did it's not all about tribunals and yeah that's kind of maybe what you think before you Mm. know much about it Mm. yeah and it did also make me think because there's some people at my work who are either expecting kids or have got littler ones than me and you know and they've been talking about things around like keeping in touch days and and it made me realize like those keeping in touch days are quite odd aren't they I don't know if you used them in your first um maternity Kate or what your work situation was particularly then um but they for people that don't know is whilst you're on maternity if you are eligible um for I think it's up to 10 days and they they are paid um so they're separate to your maternity leave statutory pay or if you get enhanced pay if you're lucky to get that through your employer um but very mixed take up of them I I think I only ever did a few because I didn't really know what I could use them for because I was also told you can't be doing work with them it's more like oh my goodness what are we doing on these keeping in touch days I suppose it's different for everyone um but actually some of those conversations about your role and your responsibilities going back could be had really on a much more adult to adult basis where you as the employee and your employer could really get to understand each other and better and get more time to work out what the role is rather than someone like Jane just obviously being in a situation that she wasn't expecting on a return accepting it and only years later reflecting on it and realizing actually that process maybe wasn't ideal for for her 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And what I discovered about keeping in touch days um, is that they are also at the employer's discretion. Mm. So um, you are entitled to them. Yeah. But you're not automatically entitled to take all of them just because you mm. want to. It's a kind of you have to discuss it. And yeah, and again, yeah. you know, the, there's so many grey areas and that just doesn't really help either oh, side. No, no. Because, yeah, having those conversations, you know, of course, roles do check over a year. Things mm. do change. So next, should we listen to Beth and next? Do you think that's a good one to go for next? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah, let's let's play Bethan's. Okay, over to Bethan's clip. Hello, my name's Bethan Street. I work in construction, which is generally deemed a male-dominated business. But um, I actually work for a main contractor. Mostly focuses in London, which is a family business, and we there are actually quite a number of females that work for the firm. My job title is Senior Design Manager, which essentially means I'm an architect and I just manage the design process for the construction company. Um, I really enjoy my job and they've been very supportive of me since having a family. Ever since notifying my company that I was pregnant, I've had an incredibly supportive experience. Although there are still societal norms which meant that my career was significantly more impacted by having a child than my husband due to me taking the majority of the maternity leave. I live in London with my husband and our son, who's two and a bit, and since returning back to work from maternity leave, I've negotiated working a four-day week. I really enjoyed reading Pregnant Then Screwed. It was very relatable, and she wrote in a really chatty nature, so you could kind of see exactly where she was coming from, from her perspective. I was surprised by the lack of positive news stories in the book, which is something I couldn't really relate to, particularly from professional nature, and it's not anything that I've experienced, and not really much that my friends seem to have experienced either. Although the more non-professional discrimination was very relatable, particularly discrimination in the home place, um, who takes key responsibility as primary carer, and just people having a different perspective of you as a pregnant woman, it was something that I could definitely relate to. By far my favourite chapter of the book was chapter two, How Did We Get Here? I just found it absolutely fascinating to understand the history and repression of females in the workplace and how it really wasn't happening very long ago, which is probably why we're in the situation we are today, where there's still quite a lot of discrimination happening in the UK particularly. It was also really interesting to hear about some more positive news focused, particularly in Scandinavian countries, and how they've managed to kind of address the discrimination of the genders between essentially giving men more um, freedom to take more paternity leave. And despite me having a positive professional experience and a very supportive husband, you still can't help but be discriminated against. You miss out on large chunks of your career by taking maternity leave and you inevitably end up being the primary carer for your child. I think if we did ever have another child, shared paternity is something we would seriously consider, but we didn't with our first son because my husband had just started a new job. Okay, so that was Bethan's section. Um, very different to Jane's, which is why it's great to have multiple voices, isn't it, and reactions to th- to this book. Um, so let's talk about what Bethan had to say. Um, Kate, do you want to kick off with your sort of thoughts and response to to Bethan? Yeah, I think that the thing that 
initially comes across is that Bethan's company sounds absolutely fantastic mm. and um, that you know particularly in the context of this book that that seems to be unusual yeah. um, and also interesting that she works in what's perceived to be a, a male-dominated yeah, yeah. industry and yet she's been treated brilliantly and no one's thought oh you've had a baby therefore you're probably not capable of doing this or we ought mm. to make allowances for this you know it, yeah. it just sounds good and I thought the points she made about shared parental leave were really interesting as well um mm. about you know how the Swedish model makes so much more sense than the, yeah, the yeah, scheme yeah. we have here um the idea that a partner's time off is properly paid I think it's something like 80 percent of um their salary or something mm. and that the time off is non-transferable which is a massive difference that I it just never even crossed my mind before yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and until I'd read that I'd never actually thought about why my husband and I had never gone down the shared parental oh, leave I know, route I know. Mm. well for, for me with shared parental leave I've only got to know about it like more recently and I suppose when I was first on maternity leave with Rowan it wasn't around but it was around when I was having Casper but I didn't really consider it in a very sort of formal sense for me and Nat to work through whether we could do it but as you say it's oh you phrased it really nicely to me the other day Kate and it was something about you're actually giving up your maternity leave aren't you it's not yeah yeah there's a line in the book where where Jolie actually puts it really well rather than me putting it really well <laughs> she <laughs> said putting it really well. <laughs> uh, yeah she said it's not shared parental leave it's shared maternity leave yeah. and that really struck a chord with me because mm-hmm. I guess my gut instinct during um my first maternity leave which again I didn't really even consciously think about or mm. vocalize was that I didn't want to give up all the time off that I'd mm. been allocated I was allowed to take a full year off to spend with my daughter and I Mm. wanted to spend that time with her I didn't want to have to either give up breastfeeding early or spend hours expressing milk um and what shared parental leave offered just well it didn't really sound that appealing yeah and the take-up is really low isn't it I mean I can't remember the eggs oh goodness again here is it like only two two percent I can't remember the statistics but it's it is really low because it's it's a complete disaster when when you examine it it just doesn't make any sense so like either you're both off together but then your baby has to go into childcare six months early because you've used up all the leave between you or you have to leave your baby while your partner takes over for however many months you've sort of decided between you and I I kind of felt like god I must be really old-fashioned for not (laughs) wanting to take up this really modern scheme and felt almost guilty for sort of contributing to that low uptake Mm. um whatever the precise statistic is but but I kind of feel vindicated having read that section in the Mm. book because it's basically a rubbish offering yeah and like hopefully I know like Ben wasn't talking too much about you know what will happen with her in the future but she did reference it as in like you know you know if they were to have another child as a couple how would they look at the roles of carer and leave and time and it sounded like she probably would interrogate it more and plan for it in a slightly different way and obviously hoping that maybe some other aspects of society's moved on a bit so that she's not always seen as the go-to person you know that you know her partner her hubby could be equally sort of regarded in that way of the parenting there are companies who are looking at this more equal parental leave 
and I know that there was that Guardian article and Aviva had been referenced as a kind of case study of how that could you know and it improves the workforce right you know people stay in a workplace longer are happier they're more supportive of each other as a colleague group if they have these sort of entitlements and time to be with their family as well as doing their work more efficiently um absolutely and there there was also the company um i can't remember which company it was now um that is in the book where they have um childcare on site yeah which is another thing that just makes so much sense and one of the quotes was really lovely it was just about how for everyone who works there knowing there are children on site it just sort of makes everyone feel a bit more sparkly and was it the patagonia it was patagonia that's right yes i am i don't know if you managed to listen to the last episode of moas but with um amy talking about radical childcare, and she referenced that as well um and just thinking about those models of how childcare can come into it and obviously jolie also talks about childcare and um the lack of funding in it at the minute and also the cost that then goes on to the parents to afford it and how much of salaries then are taken up by unaffordable childcare and yeah I mean that Bethan wasn't talking about that it's just me going off on a tangent <laughs> but it's a kind of key theme within the book as well isn't it it kind of comes through um, yeah. and there was two things I liked as well about Bethan's clip one was um you know and you've referenced it you said obviously she has a good employer and she you know says lots of nice things and that's fantastic but she'd negotiated a four-day working week so she has negotiated a sort of some level of flexibility on her return but it sounded like she wasn't then pressured to do five days work in the four days which we know sometimes happens and it's that you know poison chalice of flexibility you know you don't you might get a shift in your pattern but you might not get accommodation in terms of the workload and it's so it doesn't always balance through and um, but it sounded like you know a genuine four-day working week that worked for her worked for the company um and I thought that kind of was really like a good thing um and she also really enjoyed the kind of history section which is quite early on in Jolie's book and I really liked that I was kind of geeking out a bit on that I was like you know from things I knew from podcast research to then thinking about the dates and the timelines and and actually you know where we need to go and thinking about the timelines that we've had I I kind of enjoyed that bit and did you enjoy the kind of history bit of it as well Kate was that something I did I did um because it was the first chapter I've obviously forgotten all the key dates and everything but I do remember really enjoying that and just having it broken down as how has this situation mm. arisen how has yeah. it become so accepted and it, yeah. it, it makes it really logical in a way even mm. though and, and you can understand yeah and it sets the scene she sets the scene from her personally but then the history bit sets the scene in terms of like the the context that we're in on that sort of bigger scale not just her personal sort of scale um yeah so that was great so thank you bethan um and yeah cheers to your employer as well (laughs) and I'm sure Jolie if she picks up on your um take on let's praise the good case studies might be following up with you so (laughs) all right let's move on then Kate shall we listen to Lily's section as our last book club contributor for this Yeah? yeah yeah let's go for it okay here's Lily 
So hi there, uh, my name is Lily Anderson-Nichols, um, I'm a HR professional and I'm currently studying uh, counselling skills. Uh, I live with my partner and my two children who are four and six. Um, I've been aware of the work of Jolie Breely and Pregnant Then Screwed since 2017. I just want to reflect on the thing that I think is really important to highlight from the book. Um, so 54,000 uh, women a year experience pregnancy or maternity discrimination, which is a, an astounding figure, 54,000. Um, and employers themselves say that, 51% you know, of them say that there is resentment towards uh, women who are pregnant or on maternity leave. Um, so that's about half of employers where that's the case. Um, and I think from my perspective, it's really important to remember in all of this that there is a person and a human um, who is experiencing this um, at the end of this discrimination. There is a person um, and actually in itself that it can lead to um, issues in terms of the health of the mother and the baby. Um, it can indirectly lead to things like postnatal depression um, and can affect the baby itself. Um, so there's a one particular thing I wanted to read out um, to you. Um, if you've experienced pregnancy or maternity discrimination, you know how deeply and permanently it scars. The fallout can have a ripple effect on those close to you, impacting your relationship and your ability to bond with your new baby. You can feel unbearably lonely. The anxiety pounds on your chest so hard you feel like you're suffocating. If you experience pregnancy or maternity discrimination, there is one thing for certain, it will play a defining role in your future. Um, so I think that for me was the most important thing to remember the person. And if remembering the person isn't going to fly um, as an argument to make changes, then I think the economic argument is... Um, is the one that perhaps um, companies will listen to. Um, essentially, having women in the workplace leads to more productive, more profitable teams. Um, it costs an awful lot of money to kick people out of the, the workplace and to kick mothers out of the workplace. Um, and then ultimately, I think we're all aiming towards a more flexible way of working um, too. And the pandemic has shown that that's actually what people want. Um, they want more time to do the things they enjoy and to see the people that they love. Um, so I just want to end saying that I think there is hope and there are solutions. So you heard from Lily there with, with her take on the book. And of the three mums that we invited to contribute the audio notes, um, Lily's the one who has been most aware of and involved in Pregnant and Scrooge's work over the years so I think it was really good to kind of get Lily's take on it um obviously she sort of picked up on the mental health aspects and the kind of caring aspects and nurturing and looking after your workforce and as she's an HR professional it was quite good to to, to hear that um I mean Kate is that something obviously now mental health awareness is higher than it, I suppose it from my understanding from years before I I don't remember there being as much chat about mental health um whereas in recent years I sort of do feel like in workplaces on social media there is um, in the royal family <laughs> in the, yeah. <laughs> yes yes you know the 
I don't know what to say there. You've, you've stumbled me. I didn't know you were going to come in with that. No, 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 it's good. Let's I like not digress. A, yeah, no, a curveball every now and then is good. Um, more experienced podcast hosts would know what to say. Um, <laughs> but what was your take on sort of Lily's, um, I suppose, the call to arms in terms of Jolie saying this book is a call to arms, but like Lily saying these are the ways that change will come about. One, thinking about and caring and acknowledging the impact on mental health if discrimination has occurred and it stays with mums and even the babies are impacted for a period of time or the economic aspects is the only other way that employers are really going to get on board with all of this stuff that is real and happening to mums in the workforce like what was your kind of take on Lily's section? Well I thought it was really it was really encouraging that obviously Lily works in HR mm. and that this is something that she, you know, if all HR people had that awareness, I think it would be really, really beneficial. I think it could help mm. to make, you know, maybe they do and maybe some HR departments are, you know, constrained by the companies they, they work for. But, yeah. you know, they, they have a lot of power to kind of, to, because they're, that if they can understand the impact on mental health and the damage that poor mental health can do to the company mm. they're kind of the bridge between you know recognizing a problem but also seeing the really positive things that if they do things differently can happen for the company and like you said mm. it's it's business isn't it it's got to come mm. down to profit and yeah. economics um yeah. yeah women in the workforce contributing i mean that's the bottom line isn't it I mean <laughs> it is it is and and I really like the fact that you know it's kind of this call to arms thing there was there was a bit um quite near the end where um there was a woman working at a company that specializes in transforming life experiences into business skills and mm. she lists the study uh, sorry she studies the impact of um like parenting skills on okay. business leadership and development which I thought was just a really interesting study to do anyway yeah, yeah, and yeah. her conclusion is just brilliant because she basically concludes that parenting is a super effective training program for oh goodness, um, yes. yeah. you know development of sort of management skills and she she lists for example the things that it trains you in and she, you know the list goes on and on but it's basically efficiency patience learning agility mentoring giving and receiving feedback, increased productivity. And, you know, Jolie sort of wryly concludes after recounting mm. this, that um, this is the sort of staff training programme that companies would spend an absolute fortune, fortune on. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, <laughs> there's just that missing link. And I think HR is a really valuable position to be in because you mm. can you can sort of yeah. potentially affect change and help businesses to see yeah. the benefits. But you need people to champion in the workplace, don't you? I mean, and not just the mums that have come back from maternity leave having to do it for themselves. You know, as you say, like HR, senior management, the dads, whoever, like, you know, it's not about, well, it could be about, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be about, but, you know, mentoring is one aspect, but just people like being really like, like bold and changing their bias and perception and championing these women who are doing good work but also bringing their existing career skills these new skills they've gained through parenting and just wanting you know potentially a bit of an allowance every now and then to be a decent 
you know flexible worker at some points you know to to not necessarily to have it all but just to you know to be good to your family and to be good to your workplace you know just some kind of like um yeah consideration and compassion with all of that yeah I think so and I think um you would hope that you know the last 18 months where a lot of us have been working from home and Mm. the the sort of flexibility has been enforced in a way in a way that companies can't control um you would hope that that could bring about a change in itself that there's a lot of potential for what's happened to have a really positive impact on all of this um there could be there could definitely be i also worry though things like you know if you then are the one staying to work from home because the after school clubs still aren't at full capacity or what have you and then you're not getting the visibility of then other people are back in the office and having like those chats while they have their coffees and you know that I mean it's referenced in this book and in other places as well I think there's lots of that flexibility that's been enforced that you just need to make sure that it's managed properly in in this new world and this new blend yeah. that we might find ourselves in um so yeah there's definitely hope within that I think um yeah and it's interesting you brought up the pandemic and this is moving away from what Lily was talking about but um I don't know Kate your feelings when you were reading the book because obviously we've both said really great things about the structure and the topics and the solutions and the kind of top tips that are kind of filtering through as well as the this is really you know the bottom line of what's missing financially and emotionally in these situations but I kind of with the pandemic she was so this came out in March this year now I'm not in publishing so I don't know publishing deadlines or timelines but she was obviously you know working on this before the pandemic to have built up this level of detail of stats and data as well as her narrative on it is you know a colossal undertaking but then she obviously references what's been going on in the pandemic for women in the workplace and mothers but I was expecting there might be like a full chapter on that or some kind of specific I don't know bulky section on it whereas actually it kind of then weaves through the other narratives I don't know if there's one approach would have been better or worse I'm not necessarily commenting on that I just had thought there might be um but maybe that's because there's still so much to play out I mean we don't really know yet the full impact and you know, Jolie, I saw, had won a campaigning award recently. I think this week even there was something on her social media. So they obviously have done so much, not just about workplace discrimination, but general sort of health and well-being and rights of pregnant women through the pandemic, um, that they're being recognised for that campaigning work. But to sort of phrase it all neatly must be really hard, right? I mean, the amount of work they've had to do... Um, yeah, because, I yeah, agree. Yeah. I think it, it did feel like it was a bit that was missing from the book mm. um, because we're all living it. But I think, yeah, at the same time, like you say, it hasn't, it's it's ongoing. You know, we don't yeah. even know what's going to happen on, you know, next week. We're, we're yeah, still, yeah, yeah, things yeah. are shifting constantly, even when we think we're at one stage. And, um, and in terms of workplaces, I think workplaces are, they're very much still in a state of flux. Yeah, and, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah. Companies are kind of responding, but, you know, some companies 
making lots of people redundant right now and mm. streamlining I think it's just going to affect so many people in different ways that mm. you sort of need to she'll almost need that maybe that'll be the sequel second book right? yeah Jelly, we're waiting for it yeah <laughs> and hopefully it's going to be full of like good good news right um yeah well yes <laughs> hopefully uh, yes we've, we've got to keep hope haven't we that's that's the tricky thing in these scenarios isn't it like how do you see where you're at and as we all have had friends, family members go through positive things like Bethan and then less positive things like some women in the book and people we know, you know, it's, yeah, there's, there's scope for a lot of stuff that can happen and hopefully change for the, for the better if this call to arms and people start to take note and, um, yeah. Yeah, so thinking about like the, the book and the ending and this sort of wrapping up of what needs to be done, um, that ending section where there's a will there's a way um she talks about some of the, the sort of threads that have been discussed earlier in the book and what needs to be done with them and justice comes out um as a as a topic of something that needs like massive improvement and access to it um kate had you like you know reflected on that as a topic in the book when you were reading it or um how was it for you on that sort of reflection yeah, I, th I I did. I I think I was really surprised um, to read that. I think it's something like only one percent of people who who make complaints about um, discrimination of this sort, only one percent of them, those cases actually make it to tribunal. And um, you know, Jolie goes into all the reasons why, and that and there's a story she told about why that can be so important. Um, and she talks about this woman who who went through the process, which sounds grueling, um, and she describes the feeling of having the judge tell her mm. at the end, yes, you were right, they should not have treated you that way. Mm. And that sort of closure and the sense of validation, she, she talks about that. And, um, and when you don't get it, which seems to be the norm, um, if only 1% get to tribunal, um, then you've got to win, you know, it, the benefits to your mental health mm. for one are enormous because mm. someone's just said yeah you're not mad yeah 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 <laughs> they yeah. wronged you <laughs> yeah and it's not just being listened to is it which is the kind of like the softer sort of this is yeah. actual pure you know validation as you said like yeah. you know that is being given that for someone who's gone through such an extreme situation of not of any wrongdoing of theirs to have had that validation must be magnificent really yeah yeah With the light at the end of the tunnel or what have you yeah yeah may there be more of it <laughs> yeah true, true or less of the discrimination <laughs> yeah yeah let's hope for that and there was yeah. a nice section Kate I was just going to read out a little bit that I kind of thought was quite nice um and she I'm trying to think which chapter it is it's not at the very end of the book but she does talk about um and I liked this it takes serious commitment vision ambition political struggle and hard action from governments business and women's groups to reduce the motherhood penalty but the results are a happier and more inclusive society um I've read it out like it's a real policy document piece <laughs> rather than this, this um, nice uh, heavy content but quite easy to read book so apologies Jolie for reading it out in the <laughs> in a broadcast fashion um but I thought that was a really nice um nuggets really of it's not just 
one solution is it you know it's like everybody's got to get involved in this yeah like... <laughs> yeah which mm. is a really positive point and also mm. a little bit daunting because that's a lot of people to get on board but I yeah. you know I do think that the campaigning is is so important for that reason the more people who are aware of what's happening I mean you know some of the things she said that she writes about are almost if you read them in fiction or they were in a film you would not believe they could actually happen and you hope that you know if if she does write a sequel or in the next mm. phase of her campaigning you you would laugh at the mm. not laugh but kind of think oh my god I can't believe that happened like this yeah yeah is she, this really was this really real <laughs> yeah because yeah. yeah, she talks about like you know from really sort of unexceptional in a way tales of like a woman who didn't get maternity cover for her leave and then returns unsurprisingly to mm. a really toxic environment in her team that is just not dealt with mm. and mm. the impact of that going back to what Lily was talking about on her yeah. mental health the he there's a headmaster who refers to his staff who are also mothers as half teachers which sounds oh, like something goodness. out of the 1950s mm. but yeah. clearly isn't and then um one that like really shocked me I couldn't mm. I couldn't believe she hadn't made it up but obviously she hasn't but um it was horrifying about the women whose team were made to drink a shot of vodka daily to prove that they weren't pregnant oh, my, I know yeah I mean yeah. you know what is that about and then a woman who was working 12-hour shifts and mm. wasn't given enough breaks to express milk and was hospitalized for mastitis and <sighs> You know, you hope it's that horrific, these extreme stories mm. at least yeah. can be eradicated. But I imagine the grey areas are the things that will be much harder to tackle. Mm. But yeah, I like yeah. I like her approach, her her call to arms. Yeah, yeah, I know, and it's great yeah, action. And there's lots of other bits in the book for, for listeners who have read it or come to listen to it that, you know, we haven't covered. You know, she goes into a lot about the gender pay gap, but how there's also the pay gap between mothers and uh, women who aren't mothers. So just that kind of difference and how that plays out. And then the fatherhood boost, you know, when, you know, new dads are seen as like needing to be better supported and provide for the family and meanwhile yeah they get the mothers, pay rises don't yeah they, they get pay rises yeah like the mothers are sort of struggling to to keep their level and keep their roles and be seen in the same way um so yeah there's loads that, that's unpacked around that um you know the fact that it has recently been mental health week and maternal mental health as part of that with these new maternity units for mental health opening up across the uk you know all these positive things that could start happening um around this this concoction of solutions <laughs> that are needed and um, it's all in this book really i mean there's a lot in a lot in it but it's a it's a good it's a good read isn't it it doesn't feel like you're reading the way i read out like a policy <laughs> document you know it's like... yeah it's not it it is a textbook but it doesn't read like a textbook that well that's a re that's a really nice uh, summary of it i like that um, <laughs> So on that note, um, Kate, I want to thank you for having the conversation with me about the book. And um, it's it's great to be in book club with you. And we talk about lots of other types of books as well. So um, <laughs> it's really nice to do this with you. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. And um, I hope that that bump keeps 
keeps coming along nicely ready for, <laughs> ready for you and thank you to the other book club mum contributors to jane to bethan and to lily um yeah really appreciate you providing your thoughts on the book so thank you for doing that um for people who are new to the mother of all solutions i'd love it if you could follow me on twitter that would be amazing so on twitter as at solutions mother or you can email me motherofallsolutions at gmail.com love to hear from you love to know what you thought of the book or what you think of the podcast that would be amazing so do get in touch either way and if you can spare a moment to rate or review the podcast on your app where you subscribe to listen to podcasts please do so it does really make a difference and it does help um with the production of these episodes and if you want to delve further into the back catalogue, Lily has an episode called The HR Professional. So if you want to know more about her take on being an HR professional and a lot of these issues, then do listen back to Lily specifically on that episode. That's episode number two, I believe. It was one of our early ones. There's also episodes around childcare, being self-employed, shared parental leave, um, examples from different types of mums who are doing different things or come from different perspectives. So do have a listen back. I hope you enjoy them. Um, so yeah, so on that note, um, I'm gonna say my goodbyes and wish you well. Um, keep up the good fight, um, <laughs> keep that call to arms alive. And I'll pop the links for all the Pregnant and Screwed um, references we've made in the show notes of this. So yeah, do link through, do follow. And yeah, stay well and listen again soon. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Mother of All Solutions with me, Laura Broderick, and my guest today, Kate Burt. This episode has been recorded remotely in May 2021. The Mother of All Solutions podcast is hosted and produced by me, Laura Broderick, with music by Ros Fraser and editing by Nat Lee. <laughs>